Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday, November the 23rd. And we're going to start with news that a teenager who stabbed a former friend when rival drug gangs clashed in Ashford has been told he'll spend at least 20 years behind bars. Jaden McFarlane, who was 19, died after being attacked in Brookfield Road in March last year. 18-year-old Asita Olegbaso was found guilty of murder following a trial in April. The judge has described the killing as chilling and disturbing. Our reporter, Paul Hooper, was in court. If anyone had stumbled into the murder trial of Asita Olegbaso, they could have been forgiven for thinking it had taken place in one of the UK's inner cities. Gangs of men arming themselves with large knives and sending death threats to each other through social media. The trial was littered with gangster terms like wetting and juicing and Ayo yo yo my killido as young men competed about who could supply drugs. But this wasn't London or Manchester, Liverpool or Glasgow. This was Ashford. And it wasn't just posturing by teens fueled by the gun culture they'd soaked up by watching violence on television. The main players weren't children living in poverty, drawn in by the glamour that such films portray. No, these were teenagers who came from families attending church. One was a talented rap artist, another from a respectable family. But away from the light, these young men lived in a netherworld where stabbing was a rite of passage. If you hadn't stabbed someone, then you weren't really a gang member. Alec Bayosi, who was just 17 at the time, taunted his rival, Jade McFarlane. And when he heard that he was in Ashford Town Centre, he decided to strike. Armed himself with two knives, he then found him out and stabbed him. Fatally, with the first one. He then fled the area with the help of two pals and showed little remorse during his trial. But yesterday, when he faced a life sentence, he looked to where the family of his victim was sitting and read from a statement. He bowed his head and told them, I'm really sorry. I know I've done wrong. Words cannot describe the pain I've inflicted on you. I am truly sorry for what I've done and I will never be able to make up with him again. He then pleaded with the judge, ironically, to show him compassion that he didn't show his victim and allow him time to turn around his life. But just as the jury saw through his gossamer thin veneer, so did the judge. This teenager will be nearly 40 before he can be even considered for parole. Two other men aged 19 and 25 have been sentenced for perverting the course of justice and Kent Police Temporary Detective Superintendent Gavin Moss led the investigation. He's spoken to our colleagues from KMTV about what happened after the suspect was arrested. What then followed was a very, very thorough and meticulous investigation uh, which painted a real picture, um, sadly a not pleasant picture, of a number of violent incidents that this group had been involved in. They were involved in in, uh, a a local gang culture um, with a rival gang and this effectively was what this case was all about. Um, As a result of that, um, a number of Snapchat messages were established to have been passed between both groups, uh, all as bad as each other to be quite frank, uh, and ultimately that resulted in the murder of a young man which was a needless murder to have taken place uh, and it just really demonstrates to me that actually social media isn't quite what it should be um, and that wasn't the intention that it was there for and that 
sadly this is endemic in society um, and we do everything we can to prevent that from happening since the uh, in for a number of months now um, probably a year and a half we've had our county lines investigation team who are responsible for combating all of this and dealing with preventative measures as well um, and that has proven successful to date um, we're continually learning as an organization um, we continually obtain information intelligence in relation to these gangs and the clear message is don't be a member of a gang if you're going to be a member of a gang and you inflict violence such as this we will come after you and we will use the full force of the law to do everything we can to take you off the streets of Kent. Ultimately Jaden McFarlane was somebody's son, uh, a brother, a relative to many, a friend to many people. Um, he was a young man at the beginning of his life and, and now that has been cut short far too early and the message has to be very clear and simple don't get involved you know you don't know what you're getting involved in um, and you know if I'm not doing my job if I don't put that message out there clearly it's not worth it. And at Kent Online you can see CCTV footage showing how Alec Burso had changed his clothes following the killing. Kent Online News. A Ramsgate man who turned to dealing cocaine to earn money during lockdown has been jailed. Giles Lintot had moved back to the county from Spain where he worked as a scaffolder on wind turbines and oil rigs when the pandemic hit. Police found £9,000 worth of the drug when they raided an address he was using and the 27-year-old from Woodford Avenue has been locked up for two and a half years. A woman's been taken to hospital following a crash involving an ambulance in Chatham. Emergency crews were called to the brook not far from the Halford store at about about midday. Pictures at Kent Online show a damaged ambulance and debris in the road. A nearby car was also said to have been damaged. You can follow updates on this story on the website. Dock workers on Sheppey are considering striking over plans to cut more than 50 jobs. The proposals from employers GB Terminals also include cutting overtime for the staff who process and drive cars that are being imported off ferries at Sheerness Docks. Workers will have two weeks to vote on possible action from Thursday. We've asked GB Terminals for a comment. Now, councils across the country are going to be ordered to find accommodation for young asylum seekers to move them out of hostels on the south coast. The Home Office is writing to local authorities, giving them two weeks before a voluntary scheme to offer housing becomes compulsory. Now, it comes after officials in Kent threatened the government with legal action, warning services here were overwhelmed. Meantime, one of Kent's MPs is calling for British troops to be sent to France to tackle the asylum seeker channel crossings. More than 25,700 people have made the dangerous journey in small boats so far this year. That's three times as many as in the whole of 2020. South Thanet's Craig McKinley has been speaking to the Home Secretary in the Commons. Could I recommend she make a very broad and generous offer to her French counterparts and ask how many uh, British police, border force and perhaps troops we can put on site on the beaches in France to assist them in their efforts and to arrest more evil people smugglers. Pretty Patel responded by saying she has done exactly that. Kent Online reports. A second funeral service has been held for MP Sir David Amos, this time at Westminster Cathedral. Yesterday, thousands of people lined the streets of Southend to pay their respects. The father of five was stabbed to death while meeting constituents in nearby Leon Sea last month. Sir David, who was a devout Catholic, was buried during a private ceremony after today's service. Former Maidstone MP Anne Widdicombe, who we also heard from in yesterday's podcast gave the eulogy earlier. I don't want David to be remembered uh, for his death. I want him to be remembered for his life 
and for what he did for Southend. A man's been arrested on suspicion of criminal damage after a Kent Town Hall was forced to close. You might remember we told you how a bottle of water had been thrown through an office window at Sandwich Guildhall last Tuesday. The building was shut for safety reasons and actually only reopened yesterday. A 30-year-old is in custody. Five fire engines have been called to a house fire in Chatham. It broke out on the first floor and in the roof space of a home on Clarence Road yesterday evening. Crews did manage to stop it spreading to neighbouring properties and have told us no one was hurt. A new picture of a Kent mum who's been missing for over a week has been released by police. 34-year-old Alexandra Morgan from Sissinghurst was last seen near Cranbrook on Remembrance Sunday and is pictured on CCTV at a petrol station. Concerns are growing for her welfare and you can see that photo along with a picture of her car at Kent Online. People living in part of Whitstable say they fear their streets will be littered with rubbish as black wheelie bins look set to be replaced with purple sacks. Residents on Victoria Street have previously left their bins to be collected on nearby St Peter's Road as they don't have side access to their own properties. But following a complaint about the smell, that's set to change from next month. They'll get sacks and recycling crates instead, but Anita Rule, who lives there, isn't impressed. It's the seagulls. <laughs> They're a massive problem when you put the purple sacks out because it doesn't. You can't plan when the bins are going to be collected. So basically, um, the seagulls will come along and rip the bins open, and then you have to clear it up because the council don't pick up that mess. Um, and also, the crates uh, every other week, once recycling. Um, yeah, so that they'll only be collected every other week. Again, they're open on the pavement, um, causing people with pushchairs, wheelchairs, difficult with access. So, and people just putting their general rubbish in them. And if there's anything in the bins that can't be, um, it's, if it's the wrong rubbish in the wrong bin, they won't take it. So, it's just going to cause a massive problem and it's all quite confusing. And I mean you yourself this morning have already dealt with sort of the the, the consequence of these yes, plastic bags. Yes, yes, they've already been ripped open because some of the houses do already have them and the seagulls just come along, rip them up and the contents are just spread everywhere so it's not very hygienic, especially in the summer. And are you concerned, um, obviously when, when they are delivered to everybody, we're gonna be, you're going to be seeing a lot more plastic on the road. Are you concerned about the environmental impact as well? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, it's going to have a massive impact. Um, just trying to get the rubbish out and taken away. And what's left of it dealt with afterwards. Canterbury City Council has declined to comment. You can watch KMTV's video report on this story as well at Kent Online. And local councillor Chris Cornell says it's not the right solution. It's a heavy-handed response by the council. I mean, picking up bins here in the conservation area is always a problem. The roads are small, it's difficult to get lorries around, and there are problems about kind of bins blocking streets. But the response here is that the council should have come out, it should have spoken to residents, it should have spoken to local councillors about what the issue is, and we could have suggested alternatives rather than just knowing people by sending them a letter. However, you know, we allude to the bins behind you here that are obviously blocking the pavement. You yourself have a pram today. Um, is there a concern that, you know, is there an element of this that it, it does obstruct people from walking on the pavement safely and thus having to go onto the road. It, it's a problem, and it's a, but it's a problem essentially all the way around here, including on some roads which they've not even uh, sent letters to, uh, to residents. What we really need is a more kind of 
longer term systemic look at essentially the problem uh, and we need to find a way in which either we can better secrete them off-road or whether we look at bin stores but, I mean the solution essentially which they're suggesting which is putting everyone's purple bags doesn't really solve the problem it just kind of creates more uh, of it. Some residents are obviously uh, saying you know or rightly so they're angry about about the change um, and say oh, it's going to create an environmental hazard um, and it's just going to create a mess is this do you, do you worry about that as an impact? Purple bags aren't perfect I mean essentially they exist along here in part because there is no space to essentially uh, put the bins but they don't last long against seagulls I mean we have a lot of seagulls essentially around here there's been talk for ages about essentially seagull proof bin bags some kind of hessian bags kind of bin stores off and the council have really been looking at this it's not just a wistful issue it's an issue in Herne bay and further down the coast as well it doesn't affect everyone but the people it does affect essentially see their bins picked to pieces by the seagulls and them chasing them up the road trying to uh, trying to pick it up the stuff kent online reports now, while the odds have been slashed on us having a white Christmas this year, we're also being urged to prepare for the risk of flooding in Kent too. Forecasters are predicting a wet winter and data shows around 70,000 homes in the county could be in danger from heavy rainfall, rivers and the sea. The Environment Agency wants people to sign up for warnings and alerts and check the risks online. Mark Douch is the flood risk manager for Kent. He's been chatting to Ish. Really, what we would urge people to do is sign up to the flood warning service, make a plan, be prepared for flooding. Uh, you can do that in a number of ways. You, you, can, you can phone up um, our flood line number on 0345 um, or you can go on the website and go on environmentagency.gov.uk. There's lots of advice there. You can enter your postcode. You can see what the risk of flooding is for, for, for your property in your area. Um, and there's loads of advice on what to do in a flood, how to prepare. So lots of people, you need to think about preparing a flood plan. You know, God forbid that that, that you'd have to endure, um, you'd have to endure flooding. It's absolutely horrendous when it occurs. But rather than waiting until that crisis, have a plan prepared in, in time. You know, if you have to evacuate your home, do you have the medication that you need? Is that to hand? Do you have a torch? Do you have a radio so you can... Um, keep up to date on, on the weather situation and the flood warning situation. Um, you might have small children, they might have needs, you know, nappies, things like that. If you plan for that now, it's so much better than, than, than when you kind of find yourself, you know, in that crisis situation, having to then think about all those things. I know, you know, as we build up towards Christmas, last thing people want to think about is flooding. It's, it's a horrendous thing to happen. I guess, as you said, you know, nearly Christmas time, that's people's priority and focus. You're not really expecting to be flooded at all or ever really consider it, perhaps. But with around 70,000 homes at risk, it's something I, I guess we should be taking very seriously. Definitely. You know, I'm, I'm down near Rye today. It, it's a beautiful sunny day. It's a little bit cold. Last thing you want to think about is flooding. But, you know, we, we've just had COP26. There, there, you know, there is the risk of, um, more severe weather, you know, as climate change effects start to start, start to kick in, you know, the likelihood is 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 you know the UK is we're gonna we're gonna see warmer, very much wetter winters. So better be prepared now um, than wait until it happens. 
and then try and play catch up. A bit of COVID news now, and there's new guidance in England to take a lateral flow test before going to crowded and enclosed spaces like busy high streets or perhaps if you're out Christmas shopping. The advice applies to those visiting people at high risk from COVID too. Previously, the government suggested two tests a week, especially for people with children or when meeting those who are clinically vulnerable. A man's been charged after threats were made to people inside a property in Folkestone. Officers were called to St Michael Street and arrested a 28-year-old is also accused of having a knife and is due back in court at a later date. Sad news that one of the tigers at a Kent Animal Park has died. Nias spent 17 years living at the Big Cat Sanctuary in Smarden after arriving when he was just one year old. Staff have paid tribute and say his legacy will continue through his cubs and grand cubs. A Canterbury woman who was unable to work following a car crash has spoken about the harsh realities of trying to survive on universal credit. Karen Isaac was forced to sell possessions to make ends meet as she didn't want to turn to family for help. She's been speaking to Leisha as the first study of its kind shows that one in four of us have suffered a life event in the past two years, which has left us struggling financially. Beforehand, I was working for Waitrose, um, which was, you know, quite a well-paid job, really. And I could get the hours I wanted and do what I wanted, basically. And they were really good, friendly team. I got on well with everybody. Um, so I was quite enjoying that really and I was coming home from work and I was driving a Land Rover Discovery and a lady shot out of a side road right into my car and wrote off the Discovery and shunted me into the incoming traffic so um, because of that I did get injuries um, uh, various things and so I can't stand up for that long now um, and other issues and so that is what had a knock-on effect so I from being all right and managing to pay the bills it ended up that I was like absolutely destitute basically because I wouldn't like to ask my family for any help or anything and um, you know you got your pride to think of Um, and so it was the five-week wait before I got anything in the first place Um, I did get offered to go to a food bank but I just I just couldn't do it I just couldn't do it I couldn't so yeah so that was interesting um and from then on it's just been a bit of a struggle really because even with paid work through turn to us it's still you know you can't get above the system really you need to really do a full-time job and at my age I couldn't physically do that now I can imagine it must have been really difficult for you to you know have to like you said almost swallow your pride and go on to universal credit did you have any sort of misconceptions before going on to it and did that change at all when you were actually in that situation yourself yeah well you know obviously I knew about it I knew that this area was being changed from income support to um universal credit um and so yeah I'd heard so much bad news about it but when you become on it and the reality it's so harsh honestly I don't know how well I you know how people survive on it and don't forget that people on universal credit most of them are working anyhow because wages are so terribly paid nowadays I mean it's just ridiculous the cost of living that you know there is you're stuck in that rut really um so once you're in it I feel that's what I feel like that the car accident started a downward spiral and unless something amazing happens and I get offer some amazing job you know because I can't do retail and that's what I always did I'm at the wrong age having to look for a new type of you know work and as I say it's not just me this is so many people in this situation of all ages and with families too you mentioned families there. that sort of leads on to my next question is that you know is universal credit enough to live on when you have a family and a house to support 
no it's not enough for anybody even you know somebody that's classed as single myself it's not enough to live on it's just the rates I don't know where they get the ideas you know how people can live on this it's just even the most basic even if you didn't have direct debits like everybody has to now for your electricity and everything else even if you didn't have them you wouldn't be able to survive on what they give you you can't it's impossible absolutely impossible so you end up getting, you know, people get into debt. Well, Karen has been working with Turn To Us to try and end the stigma around claiming benefits. The poverty charity is also concerned the cut in the £20 uplift in universal credit payments will have a devastating impact this winter. You may, of course, remember that that was put in place to help people cope during the pandemic. Well, details of how to contact the charity if you are struggling are in the story at Kent Online. And how about this? For a rather lavish present, you can now host a private film showing at the cinema at Blue Water. The cost of hiring a screen starts at £200. Showcase and marketing it as the perfect venue for a birthday or hen party. Kent Online Sport. Football and for the fourth time this season, Gillingham take on Cheltenham Town later. The sides have already met in the Carabao and FA Cups with Cheltenham coming out on top. Tonight's match follows Gillingham's 2-0 defeat to crew Alexandra at the weekend. Boss Steve Evans spoke to us after that game and says they still have injury concerns. There's no point in dress up we'll be depleted whatever we've got but as we said we can go and we can be organised and discipline a fight we didn't turn up to four o'clock today to be organised discipline and fight and when we turned up we'll be falling that side. Gillingham are just one place above the League One relegation zone at the moment kick-off tonight is at 7.45 and you can follow the action at Kent Online. Cricket and England's first Ashes warm-up game has been disrupted by rain. Kent Zach Crawley is with the squad in Australia ahead of their opening test in Brisbane next month. He didn't get a chance to play overnight though as the action was called off with England on 98 without loss. And Kent tennis star Emma Raducanu will take part in the Mabudala World Championship in Abu Dhabi next month. The US Open champion from Bromley faces Olympic gold medalist Belinda Bencic in the first round. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing. To do it, just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And whilst you're on the site, you can take a look around at the most expensive house to rent in Kent, Plus, we've got a fascinating look back on the life of Kent astronaut Piers Sellers. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.